This is. Fuck it. Be. Oh, no. Be talking about. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can you hear me? Because I can't hear you. I can see the mic thing moving. You can't hear me at all? I can't hear anything you might be saying. Well, that's pretty bad. You look embarrassing right now. The state of you, mate. Uh oh. Yeah, not uh, muted. Yeah, big uh oh. No, I'm not muted. Can't hear you, bro. I can't hear you. Yeah, fucking state of you. Yeah, I'm laughing at you over here. Doug, I can see I can see the little microphone. Oh, Jesus Christ, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Keep talking. Just keep talking. Bruh, well, you you suck, you big ass motherfucker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you suck dick. <laughs> oh, wait, can you hear me now? Yes, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean for that. But I thought, oh, hey, there's a soundboard. I thought that was like broke for real. No, no, I just had it. I had it coming out of the out of the wrong uh, speaker setting on uh, my Windows. But first, first off, though, first off, though. Yeah. So okay, one of the things that I actually like about my apartment is that uh, the light switches that are on the wall are actually like linked up or or wired up to uh, some of the outlets. No, so that's you don't bad. Have... No, no, no. I actually like it though because it means I can have things in certain outlets and not have to like go in and like plug and unplug those things. I can just flip the switch and they'll turn off. Like I use it for the most part for lights, um, like lamps and shit. And I, I dig that. Um, that's the only thing they're used for is lamps. That's it. That's literally it. Yeah. The problem yeah, that's is that it. they're fucking everywhere. You have a lamp they're switch. Everywhere. You have a switch yeah. for lamps. I have switches for lamps and it'll be like, like what happened today is that there there are like two switches on this one panel and one switch controls. I mean, one of it is just like lights that are, you know, like hallway lights and shit. The other is the outlet one. And before we started the show, I flicked off the wrong one because I still haven't like labeled them yet because why would I do that? Uh, so I flicked off the, the outlet switch and then I was like, oh, wait, shit, shit, shit. So I turned it back on. And uh, then my internet was just like dead because that was the switch that was tied to the to the router. And um, after that, like I flicked it back on, like, and I was like, okay, it's supposed to start up again, and, and it just didn't. Like all the lights on my router turned on perfectly, but I just wasn't getting internet. And you know, I when I was building this computer, I was being a little bit of a of a uh, you know, in, in save money gang. And I opted for one without a, I opted for a motherboard that didn't have a Wi-Fi card built in. So I actually did end up buying like a Wi-Fi card later, but it would take up a certain slot on the motherboard. So I was like, oh, fuck, I don't need to put that in. I got Ethernet. Like, and that's faster anyway. So why do I care? Um, but then, you know, after the the internet from the router wasn't working, I was thinking, okay, fine. I'll just like set up a hotspot on my phone and I'll just deal with it like that. But of course, you know, no Wi-Fi on the motherboard, so I couldn't do that. And it just, it was just so frustrating. I'm like trying to figure out like, why, why, why is everything supposed to be working, but it's not working? And I restarted everything, and nothing changed. And then as soon as I was ready to just say, okay, I'm gonna do the show from the phone. I'm gonna, 
not have the soundboard. I'm going to just like plug in the mic to the phone. Everything started working. So Spectrum, when, when the day the rope comes, they get the rope. Okay. What number? What number are they in like the, the queue of the rope? What, like where, where do they slot? They're right after like the literal Nazis. They, they get the rope. <laughs> okay. And then really? Spectrum right afterwards. Yeah. Right afterwards. I mean, I honestly can't think like who else I'd want in between. I think, you know, ISP providers are probably pretty close to Nazis. Um, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you at this point. Yeah, I, I'm all, I'm all on board. So, congratulations uh, for slotting them in the correct position. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna do one thing, and then I'm gonna expect you to do one thing. Okay. Yeah. Did you hear it? Didn't you didn't hear no, it? I didn't. It no, fucking I didn't happened. It. I didn't hear it. All right. Um, so I have a, I'm going to say this right now. I've been working at home today and that's not a good thing for me because, you know, you like to responsibly enjoy drinks and um, <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> I don't even need to finish the sentence. You already know exactly what I already said. Just because I did the exact same thing. Just because I did the exact same thing. You, I, I, it's like I, I, I can't even, I can't even finish a sentence. I mean, you already know exactly what I'm gonna say in the full extremity. Like, yeah, no, I don't want to fucking work from home. It's a terrible thing for me because, especially as I've said before. I can walk to a Walmart neighborhood and just buy more alcohol if I really want. Like, no, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's it's nice because you get that, like, there's so much freedom in that. Um, I've only had the freedom to work from home um, twice now. And one of it was, like, just because I had forgot my computer at home and I was like, okay, I got some shit that I have to do. So I asked my boss, I'm like, Hey, can I just do that at home and then come back? And he was like, yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. And that was the other time where there was like a terrible storm in the area. And my boss's boss was like, Hey, so we're, we're all going home for the day. Uh, we're all going to do our work from home. Uh, you good. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And of course, first thing that I did when I got home and started doing my work was had a little glass of whiskey and you know, there's there's a good amount of freedom in that but there's also you realize you know you have a spider-man moment where it's like yeah with this great freedom comes great responsibility and i think you just gotta you can you just gotta adapt to it that's all the whole thing is that once i have one beer i'm like yeah i'm not getting shit done today like (laughs) i read i i I didn't have a whole lot to do to the day to begin with but i feel like i would have definitely gotten more done if i worked at work and like yeah, I don't even care if some fucking it's at some point the show will get very big and some disgusting company will use this soundbite as a justification for shoving everyone back in their work pod at work. I don't fucking care. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. I just know that I think I'd get more stuff done at work because I actually wanted to read my book and like, you know, enjoy it. It's a nice book. It's written in a very funny tone. Of a guy that's like, you know, a lot smarter than the than the audience that he's pandering to. And, you know, I can appreciate that. But I would have liked to read it a little bit more. And, yeah, I can't really do that 
when I have a whole 12 pack of good Hefeweizen. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Why can't they just call it wheat beers? Like, they're just wheat beers. We don't have to call them Hefeweizens at this point. Um, but that's what it is. It's a Hefeweizen mixed with uh, different sorts of oranges. One is a blood orange, one is a tangerine, and one is a lemon. Yeah, lemons are basically oranges. Wrap your head around that. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that sounds good, but wait, what? So the whole thing you had to get done today was just to, to read a book? I'm still so new that I don't have, like, daily objectives yet. I mean, I'm just, I've just been slogging through training, and I've been good with that. Like, that's all good. Um, I've, I've actually just finished the training today, but aside from reading like, you know, my book on how to do my job, understand certain things pretty well. Like, I don't know, there's not really a whole lot else to do aside from some small menial tasks I've been given, but that's going to change like probably tomorrow. (laughs) It's just like the very early job thing that I've gotten. You you think so, but I fully expect in uh, two or three or maybe four weeks for you to come back on the show and be like, bro, I have a bullshit job. I, I fully expect this. I I don't know that they would. I don't know that it's possible for someone like me to have a bullshit job. Maybe it's entirely possible. I mean, maybe I think you're right. Just on maybe it's the basis of like giant conglomeration tier company sort of thing. But like, no, I don't. I, I think that it's managed pretty well. I, I do well, think at the end of the day that a lot of these big companies are managed well enough that they can at least at the very minimum, like rate people on how they on how much they get done because they have to promote people on based on that. They they can't afford to just constantly keep going into the job pool and picking people out like it's so right. much easier to just promote from within. So they have to like benchmark people on that and like make people feel like they're getting a promotion from within and like yeah you don't have to look at other jobs because we're giving you promotions <laughs> wink wink um but you know they would know like it, i don't think they would ever like i don't think they would ever really consider my termination like they would just give me more work to do and shit which you know right. well, honestly i'm fine with that i think part of it though i think the way that your job could end up being kind of bullshit is because it's so specialized I think there you could you could I could ex, I could really see you getting to a point where it it might not be a lot for you to do but it would be a few things that only certain people with that certain skill set and knowledge set could do. So it's it's kind of like, you know, you're you're really your job is could end up being to do those, you know, that that small workload of things that only somebody with your skill set could do, but there's just not that much of it to do. Like they have you on hand to be to have somebody to be able to do that when the need comes up. But maybe an average day is like, you know, you, you just like responding to emails or like checking a document or something. Um, somebody mentioned to me recently that they saw some study uh, that, that was sort of like, you know, the majority of people who are like working office jobs really only have like four hours of work to do per day, like per eight hour day. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's that's a lot closer to the kind of situation you'd end up in where it's like, okay, we need somebody to be able to do this thing. We hired this guy to be able to do this thing. And we don't need this thing to be done like entirely to, and you know, correct me if I'm completely off base here, but it would be, you know, you're, you're the guy to do that thing when they need somebody to do that thing that only you can do. I appreciate that you think I'm that important, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, big, but, um, so my company has what's called an organization chart and that chart Every lets company you does. Okay. Yeah. But this one's very nice and it's through workday. So like I can very nicely click through buttons. Um, this, so, so, you know, I could go to me and then I could go to my manager and then I can go to like my manager's manager. Yeah. There's levels to the shit. I'm sure. And my manager's manager has 47 people that she, yes, she power to the women, power to women in the workplace. Um, Okay, wow, can we anti-gunshot that? <laughs> was being genuine, I, but whatever. We, we, we could, we we could, but... And the bullets in the gun. Okay, Christ. Um, <laughs> so she has 47, like, managers that she watches over as a manager. And I don't know, bro. Like, I don't think, I don't, like, I don't, I, I, no, I don't think in, just... in the company that's the case. But if I was ever like, fuck it, I'm at, I'm upset with this company over some whatever they did, then yeah, maybe. Like, if I want to look outside, then sure. But like, bro, do you know how many people they've fucking hired so many people and like well, at least 66%, at least two thirds of my pe- of the people on my team are from California and they moved to Utah because they're fucking sick of California. <laughs> Okay, Which number is, one, yeah, though, that's another num- thing. Number one, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen you've seen the news about a lot of these like tech layoffs, like the big tech layoffs and stuff that are going on. And it, you know, the way a lot of articles will present that is if it's like it, it, it was something that was uh, that was wrong with, you know, what these employees did or like, oh, these jobs just aren't that secure and i think you know my my conspiracy theory here is that a lot of this is just meant to like scare a lot of tech workers into being uh very complacent or obedient at the jobs they do have because they're like oh i could get laid off at any moment or whatever right uh but a lot of it was just because all of these like big tech companies hired so many fucking people during the pandemic and they didn't really even need to hire that many people in the first place. It was just, they, they wanted to have these people on reserve and, you know, it got to a point where just because these companies are so big and everything, they, they had hired so many people that they, after the big hiring boom and all that ended, they were like, wait a second. Okay. Now we, we have all these people and we, we don't really know what to do with them. So a lot of people ended up getting laid off where they were basically like doing nothing in the first place. And I'm not saying that like, that's anything close to what you're doing. Cause I don't, I don't know how big the company you're working at now is, but it's definitely not Facebook or meta if you know, if I'm gauging that correctly. Um, but that that's number one is that 
it is evident that sometimes people get hired to be like on deck to be able to do things. And maybe at some of these larger companies, they took in too many people, but at smaller companies, they don't have enough on the payroll to afford that many people in the first place or to like uh, make the kind of profits that they're wanting to make to hire that many people in the first place. Um, but there's also, you know, you're talking about all these different layers of management. Well, a lot of these people are just getting paid to manage other people. They're not actually like contributing anything in particular. So I don't think that really matters as far as, uh, you know, how much work someone might end up doing. I think that's actually, those are some of the, the least literally productive jobs out there are all these managers of managers you know it is and i've actually read through my uh this is going to sound really fucking stupid but i have had to take a course a training course and a test uh, of which i took twice you can only take it twice and i passed it on monday morning shouts out to that but this test is like this test is like uh getting you in the mindset and um, getting you trained and qualified to understand a, the psychology and b like the actual matters of fact of what it takes to be continually successful in a government contract of like a lot of fucking money, sort of like a mega con. Let's just call it a mega contract. Like how to responsibly manage and allocate resources for a mega contract based on all of these like sorts of metrics and numbers of which I'm not even really convinced are real, but you know, they're probably not. (laughs) We're probably for, they were for my test. So I had to realize I had to know what they were. Um, but it's a lot of uh, it's it's a lot of how to manage stuff so that you don't run over budget and you don't run behind cost. To me, it's more of like assessment than like management and um, what do you call it? Repairing, you know, like getting back on schedule. Like to me, it's more of it's it's way 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 more of assessment and recognizing like, hey this fucking contract is running over budget and it's behind schedule. We need to do something now. And then that's, you know, where the expertise kind of stops. But um, the type of engineering I'm doing is defined as, now you could say this is like akin to, it's to sound bad. The type of engineering (laughs) I'm doing purposely says that they like over design and overspend in the design phase and the integration phase versus like the production phase and the testing and all of that like they purposely overspend like maybe to 130 140 percent in the design and like integration and implementation versus like testing and documentation and like manufacturing and production because it's supposed to save in the long run and honestly i'm sure that it does because they manage businesses and i don't <laughs> like that's just what it comes down to. like they're experienced and i'm you know to a degree not um but i i honestly i'm okay with it like it's definitely part kind of their uh the forte of like these sorts of contracts to overspend 
it's kind of characteristic and all that. But, you know, I don't think that anyone has a particular bullshit job. Like, they just oversee a lot of committees. And, yeah, just me saying that they oversee a lot of committees is kind of convincing myself to the contrary that they don't have a bullshit <laughs> job. But just, you know what? You know what? You, you know, it's a big company, and that's what, just what they do. So, I don't Well, know. I mean... It's it's funny you mentioned the like overspending thing though because okay so like you you work for a company that does things for the defense department if I'm correct there and uh, I work for a company that uh, is a Medicare Advantage company so they you know we we both work for places that are getting scum of money society yeah absolute scum but also like getting money from the federal government to do things and I think it's entirely in these companies incentives to overspend on things or to like to to propose budgets that are over certain limits to you know uh to 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 get a certain amount of money and then you know pocket the xx basically you know i i as someone that like just started at the company i feel like that's bs because i actually work on a i um I, I work tangential to a team that works primarily with another defense contractor of a of a of a, of a, of a big name, perhaps. And uh, you know, they all get along <laughs> and they're all really nice with each other. And that just on like the surface makes me think, what if it's all just bullshit? What if this whole competition thing is just a bunch of bullshit? But then I'm like, I know that all the executives, you know, on a on a surface level probably get along but they constantly have to hire like each other's bid person preparer so that they can, you know, get the actual bid. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, winning a bid is so much fucking money that, you oh, know, yeah. it's a lot of jobs. It's a lot of earned value for, for a company. And I don't, I truly don't think that there is some amount of friendship that would, you know, make a, make a CEO of company A versus CEO of company B, you know, that they would not actually compete with each other because there is so, you know, there's so much money. There's just too much money for them to be friends, you know, uh, when it comes to like the matter of these contracts, like they are going to compete for these contracts in a very, you know, like what people actually envision competition looks like but this is yeah, one of no. the few industries that does it it's only it's very I, few i think there there is a lot of competition i guess not even necessarily a lot of competition but there's com- competitive competition among you know the maybe the few major players in the industry or whatnot um but at the end of the day everything that you know stuff that i've seen has not even necessarily like within my own company, but just bullshit I've read from politically charged actors online is just about saying that like a lot of federal contracts are kind of just there to like jerk off the private sector, you know? Yeah, that's Um, true too. So like, I'm sure there's competition within the private sector, but at the end of the day, like you're saying, like there's so much money in just getting that big government contract in the first place that, you know, it's it's all it's all you know, dick sucking at the end of the day. That's all I'm gonna say there. I think for a lot of it is, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna kind of be a I'm gonna kind of be a bitch for a second, but 
you know. Yeah, you're a fucking company man, huh? No, I'm not a fucking company man. One shot. No, I do think that the contract that I'm working on is is a little necessary, but that's just that's just my opinion, man. So is it going to kill Russian people? Is it going to kill Chinese people? Uh, if they send, if they try to, if they try to attack us first, then then yes. Which okay, odds that would ever happen. I don't know. I, like I fuck yeah. Let me just look <laughs> into my crystal ball for a minute. Yeah, let me just figure that out. No, I mean okay, fair enough, fair enough. So I, uh, I don't know, man. I I think at the end of the day, it, it it's all bullshit. All right, yeah, I deserve this. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> guess what? Guess what? I sent this a what? long time ago, five days ago, last Thursday. I realized that my get to work mobile is uh, is fucking destroyed and dead um, because the suspension, the thing that keeps it above the ground, is uh, is is rusted so bad that it's like probably not going to work in a in a couple months. Uh, so I, uh, I, I've test driven two vehicles. So, so here last Thursday, uh, I find out my car is fucking toast. I, uh, show the video to my manager who is a very big car buff. And he says like, okay, so I, I have a photo. It says two things require future attention and 11 things require immediate attention. And of wow, those 11 things, I would say that, like, five of them actually require immediate attention. Like, six of them are, are, are silly shit like, oh, your air filter is kind of dirty. And, oh, your headlights need defogging and, and silly shit like that. And then, like, another thing is like, oh, yeah, your suspension is really rust, rusted out. And uh, your car could kind of collapse at any minute if, it, if you go for a bump bad enough. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of important. Um, so I show like one by one to my boss and he's like, oh, that can get fixed. Oh, that can get fixed. And eventually I get to like the eighth or ninth thing. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, your car is totaled. And that's what I was trying to convince him the whole time. And, you know, him, he's he's a very big car guy. He's like, if you can fix it, you can do it. And it took that long. And then he's like, well, that's a little different. That one, yeah, it's not looking so <laughs> yeah. good for you. Uh, so I was like, yeah. Um, then I, uh, so what I did is I, and I, I've, I, I identified three cars that I have bothered leaving my house for. Uh, the first one, I got to the dealer, and this was on last Friday afternoon. I, uh, Get to the dealer and he says, yeah, so um, I'm not sure if this is a big thing or not, but the last owner was a smoker, if you're okay with that. And I'm just like, motherfucker. What? That's what I was thinking at first. But if he's going to say it, then, it, then it's cigarettes, especially in this part of the <laughs> bastardized country. It's It means cigarettes. And, you know, I'm not trying to smoke cigarettes all day long. Uh, through secondhand so i was just like all right 
Let's get in and see how bad it is. I get in the thing and I don't think my butt even touched the seat. I like was was like motioning in. I got a big whiff of some American spirit, like the butt of the cigarette. And I like just got out and I said, all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> I didn't even stay and I'm just like, thanks for not wasting my time. And I just walked off, got back in my car and left. So then on Saturday, I test a, I test drive a Honda CRV from like 2012, 2011. And keep in mind, I, I have had a budget of $15,000 over four years. So just paying off a little bit each year because I'm a, I'm a really prude fuck and I don't want to spend a whole lot of money on a fucking get to work mobile uh, because I think that's fundamentally stupid and, and you know, a little, a little cocked, a little cocked, if I'm going to be honest. America, America. Yeah. 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 Get it out. Get it out. That's so I don't want to fucking. I told this to my dad, and he's like, "Why not? Why don't you want to fucking spend a bunch of money on a car?" I'm like, "Why the fuck would I? Like, this is such a waste of money, in my opinion." I mean, I I told him actually like three months ago, like I never want to finance a car, but here I am having to finance a car because my car could actually break at any moment, and then I would be like ultra boned, and I really just I don't want to deal with that, so. Here I am buying, going and buying a car. I get into the second car, and it's a little old. I can tell, like, I think it used to be a family car. Like, there were, like, a little bit of, they're not drawings, but, like, little skids on the on the inside. And I'm just like, okay, this is, like, whatever. I, I r- try to roll down the back window in the passenger, in the passenger seat, and the motor is, like, like it, it has a weird initial sound like the window is slipping like to, to come up and then it comes up like after a little bit, it, it makes me concerned that the window window like motor is going to die in like a week. It sounded really bad when you first press the button. So I drive it around and I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. Now, I also forgot to say that when I before I even got in the car, the guy said, "Yeah, it kind of needs new brakes." Just kinda. It kinda and I'm like, okay, and I'm like, okay, could you elaborate? I literally asked him, like, okay, <laughs> could you elaborate on like what brakes it needs? And he's like, yeah, the back brakes probably gonna are gonna, you know, it needs brakes. Uh, we're gonna fix it on Monday though, for sure, you know. And I've heard this now from two dealers that they're gonna fix it tomorrow for sure. And I'm just like, at this point, I'm just like, okay, go fuck yourself. You have no, you, you have no plans to fix this shit. It's, it's all fake. But, um, you know, at that point I was just like, no, nope, I have no plans to buy this car. I told them some bullshit that I would like look up a mechanic and try to get it in for a de- like for a inspection. And then I just never called him back. Uh, and then he called me back today and I'm like, yeah, I don't want it. I'm going to go look for other cars. See you later, <laughs> nerd. Uh, but in a lot nicer terms. So today is the thing that pissed me off the most. Today, I worked from home, as I had said earlier, so that I could go and literally my plan was to buy a certain car today. So I go to the mechanic 
which is actually local, which a lot of things really should be between 20 and 40 minutes away, like for any good selection, because that's how it is. That's how long it is to Salt Lake City. And, you know, there's a lot of cars there, but I go to the mechanic that's or I go to, you know, to the dealer that's close to me, take the car. I get there and the car's windshield is fucking broken. I'm like, what the fuck? It's cracked, but not in a way that I can't see. Like, it's got giant cracks going through it. And they say, yeah, we're going to fix it. I I, I think tomorrow we're going to fix it. <laughs> wink, wink. And I'm just like, okay. So this is like a, this is like a, a Mazda SUV that is like a 2015-ish, about 100,000 miles, about $15,000, which is all like you know, about my budget, about my ceiling for miles. Like Mazdas are just at like typically at the uh, level of like where my budget is and what I want in mileage and what I want in a car. So I get to the mechanic. He's like, yeah, needs a battery, needs a bunch of belts fixed, needs uh, needs some coolant leaks, needs needs a differential inspect, needs like six, needs like seven to ten shit things. And it all costs about $2,500. And I go back to the dealer. And so this is also another thing. I talked to a dealer over the phone last night. And I see him this morning. And like last night, he's like, yeah, I'm going on vacation at noon. And I'm going to St. George, which is about like four and a half hours south. It's like it's like South Florida versus North Florida, South California versus North. Like the weather there is way, way, way nicer. And... He's like, yeah, if I see you in the morning, then I'll help you out and stuff. And he's really nice. His name is Mario. And then there's this motherfucker named Dan. And I don't like Dan at all. because Dan is a fucking, <laughs> fucking stupid bitch. And, and I'm like, yeah, Dan, um, this car needs about $3,000 worth of repairs as per my mechanic. Uh, you could take a look at this if, if you want. And he's like, oh, no, I don't need to see it. We're selling it as is. And I'm like, Okay, Dan, this car needs three thousand dollars worth of repairs. Uh, you have it at just under sixteen thousand. Like, I'll buy it for like thirteen thousand, you know, and then maybe trade in my car. And he's like, "No, we're selling it as is." And I'm like, "What the fuck, Dan? This costs three thousand dollars to repair." I'm looking at him like he's like an idiot, and he's like, "No, I'm good. Maybe this car just isn't for you." Or he says something along those lines. He's like, maybe this just isn't your car. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it's not. And I like chuck the keys back on his table and then I just walk away. I'm just like, you're a <laughs> fucking moron, Dan, um, in my head. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, like, and, and I was really mad in the moment that was at like, oh, that was like 1130 or 12 today. And I was like, really really pissed off because i would have been totally fine buying that car but you know like truly like for someone that has a lot more money than me that's been working for more than like three weeks um they would have the money and they would just be like yeah whatever i'll fucking just repair it thanks dan and i'm just thinking like dan is such a stupid bastard i don't have the fucking money i don't want to do it and i just i just don't get it like dan is such a bitch so now I'm going to go look at a different car, like this nearly the same model, nearly the same everything. Like it's one year newer, has about the same miles, is a grand more expensive. 
but I'm not going to give Dan his commission. Like I fucking hate Dan. He's a piece of shit. I'm not, I'm, I had actually thought like later around like four or five today, like what if I just go back buy that car, but not from Dan and like go in and give someone else a commission (laughs) because I would be totally fine with that. Given it's like a decent car, like I'd be fine with buying that car. But if I can find if I if the one tomorrow is like on a net basis cheaper, you know, because it's a year newer, has about the same miles, is a little bit more expensive, but might not need as much repairing. Then I'll just buy that car. Otherwise, like I'm going to go in and, and buy it from someone not Dan and have Dan fucking watch me give someone else a commission of like fifteen hundred dollars. And maybe I'll give Dan the finger because I fucking hate him. Yeah, no, that's definitely I I support cucking Dan here. Um, there's something very peculiar, but also like very offensive about you know because there's the one level of like someone trying to sell you something where you they're they're you know being really kind and and very uh, selling this thing that's clearly not worth as much as they're saying it is but you can kind of understand that it's like yeah you know you're making a commission off this you're doing your job fine whatever posting a picture of dan right now the fucking loser look at this generic ass motherfucker (laughs) look at this fucking ai made motherfucker look at this completely non-unique motherfucker this is an npc This looks like somebody that would be, you're, you're right when you call this an AI motherfucker. Like, he looks like somebody that would be generated looks by fake. a computer. He looks like he's <laughs> someone that writes articles all day online. And his fucking <laughs> photo is attached to it. And you're just like, who the fuck is this? Um, I fucking hate Dan. <laughs> he looks like a very punchable guy. Uh but yeah, there's there's something something very strange about somebody who's trying to sell you something, but at the same time, like being very indignant about it, like like just this whole this dude's whole attitude, where maybe he's like trying to neg you into buying this car, where it's like, no, dude, fuck you, like this <laughs> this is my money. No, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, <laughs> and like I actually kind of find it funny because it made me want to look at shit online from like. Carvana or CarMax or other sorts of companies like that that just fucking warehouse cars instead. Because I was like, Dan is a fucking prick. I don't want to buy from dealers anymore. They're such stupid assholes. Like, I have no willingness to... He's not willing to move down the price because, like, that's just is what it is. Like, Dan, do you see the fucking windshield that you guys said you would fix? But, not like, Mario said he would fix it. You know, that it was going to get fixed. And even if it wasn't real, like, at least he's nice enough to say, yeah, we're going to fix it for you. Don't worry. Like, mm-hmm. Dan's just like, yeah, no, you're going to buy it as is. Like, maybe this just isn't the car for you. And I'm just like, yeah, Dan, you're a fucking moron. Maybe it's not for me. I'm I'm out of here. See you later, <laughs> you fucking loser. Uh, Dan, maybe this is not the sale for you. <laughs> I should have said that now. You know what? Now I need to fucking collect all those things. I should have said it in the moment, but I couldn't think of it because I'm not smart enough. <laughs> That's always how it goes. That's the shit that you think about, like, the day after something happens. Where you're like, God damn it. That was the perfect comeback. God damn it. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So, but I'm pissed off. It- yeah. Basically, now where I stand is that's like the number two option. I'm going to go look at number one because I could just. Here's the fucking silly thing is like, I can work as long as I work nine hours a day. My manager does not give a fuck what I do with the rest of my time at all. So I'm just going to drive down to like where this other possible car is tomorrow at like 9 a.m. after I work like three hours and then I'll just drive down there and I'll be like, hey, I want to test drive this car. And then like, (laughs) here's the bad thing. I got to send a message because this is like making me schizophrenically paranoid but the mechanic that I would go to is right across the fucking street from the dealership. And I would like have to drive down the road and then drive back because I'm afraid that they're in cahoots with each other. What'd you say? Yeah. They got your information on file. Yeah. So I, um, so, so spoiler alert, the place that I'm looking for is a, is a, is a Mazda dealership, and uh, the the cha- apparently it's a chain. I did not know that it's a chain like mechanic, but they do such a good job that I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. Like I need I need to know as much wrong as possible with this car. And they take photos and images. One of the photo or image, the video I sent you was from that chain, and they're literally right across the fucking street from each other. So I'm gonna drive down that road, and then like you know, after five minutes, like do a U-turn and then drive back. You know, and then drop it off and be like, all right, I need to figure out what's wrong with it. Let me know. So that's what I'll do tomorrow. And actually, you know what? Now that I fucking now that I see this. I'm going to expand this a little bit. I'm going to go and stuff my fucking. This is why people are fat here is. Well, actually, no, they're not. They're not really. But this is this is the problem. So here's here's the fucking like place I went to today. Fuck, you got a taco time day. out there, bro? God damn it, dude! I miss taco time so much. I'm sorry. Taco? I don't even know what taco time is. Go to taco time. It's cheap, cheap Tex-Mex. Um, it's it's great stuff. It's great stuff, man. I grew up on taco time, man. I I, I miss it. I miss it. Okay, well that's that's good. That is a good uh, that is a good sell from from Marcus because the taco time. If you love taco time, then hell, I love taco time. Well, okay, let's let's you know we'll qualify it for a second here. Uh, it's not you know it's not the most amazing uh, Tex-Mex you'll ever get, but uh, it's 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 definitely something that adds a little bit of variety to the to the Taco Bell. Uh, it, it's the only Tex-Mex chain that I'd put up there with Taco Bell, honestly. You wouldn't even put Del Taco there. I've never had Del Taco, so I can't get in there. Okay, that's fine. But the one I just sent you, that was where I did like today's thing. I just left the fucking auto repair shop and I walked over to the cafe, got a got a got a big fat cinnamon bun because I felt like it and uh, a big fat coffee. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to chill here for like 20 minutes and or a half hour and uh, send some send some terrible posts to some foreign people and, and laugh at their mistroubles. Uh, so that's what I did, and I'm probably gonna do it tomorrow too when I go to this cafe or something, or maybe I'll just drive drop the car off and then like head back to work and pick it up like way later in the afternoon. Fuck! Now I need to look at the Taco Time menu. What is on a Taco Time menu? It's been so many years since I've actually had it that I can't even actually remember. What the fuck is just... Taco Time? 
it's, oh, it's dude, a very this is small like the, game, this, dude. This is like fucking Taco Bell at home. Holy shit. What do you mean by that? You know, it's like we have, you know, we have Taco Bell. And it's like, Mom, I want Taco Bell. Oh. We have Taco Bell at home. <laughs> yeah, this is Taco Bell at home. Okay, but they have tater tots from what I remember. And uh, they have like crispy bad. taquito type things that are way better than like the rolled tacos, that the rolled chicken tacos that Taco Bell would like to have or that they bring on the menu every now and again. Um, it's It's my second favorite like local-ish fast food chain after Jack in the Box. Nothing will ever really the Jack, in the, Jack in the Box is number yes. one. Yes, Jack in the Box, dude. Those those fucking, like, I don't know if they're still two for a dollar, but like the two for a dollar tacos that used to be at Jack in the Box, uh, they were not like good tacos. Um, they were, you know, very clearly, obviously, um, you know, burger patties that did not sell maybe like the previous day or something um that were like ground up and they put some sauce on them and put some cheese and lettuce in there and you know fried a tortilla and put it in between there that was a top tier snack uh burger king tried to do the same thing like a year or two ago and it was awful it was fucking terrible these guys have blueberry and cherry empanadas (sighs) taco time does now yeah yeah, what I the fuck, dude? Remember Taco Bell's apple cinnamon apple empanada, and it was like that really was so good. good. And they just got it rid of it, so and they're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, man, I miss I miss Taco Time big time. Um, I'm gonna be back out in. Well, I'm actually I'm going out to San Francisco next month, of course, to to hang out with my sister for her birthday. And I'm probably not going to, I don't think they have taco time out there. Um, and I'm, I'm going to get some big fat mission burritos anyway. Um, but in either June or July, I'm going to go back out to Seattle too. And I'm definitely going to go to taco time and Jack in the box while I'm out there. Those are some, uh, some dank ass fast food, man. I'm going to say this, the Taco Bell logo needs to go back to the, uh, like more, Oh like stronger hue like the current the current taco bell logo is the very lavenderish purple and white with black letters they need to go back to the night like 1994 to like to 2015 taco bell logo which was very very strongly like pinkish on the actual bell and the actual bell was colored yellow uh i'm just Mm -hmm. gonna say that they need to go back to that logo because that logo actually competes with the Taco Time logo. The Taco Time logo has not left that like 2015 era of like good logos that eventually turned to very like boring and like vanilla and you know dumbed down logos. Like the Taco Time logo of a like you know a, a cactus with the sun and. I don't even know what that is, like a line. It looks like it's supposed to be a sombrero if you squint. It is a sombrero, yeah. It is a sombrero. Okay. That's what I thought, just from very first look. Um, I like it. I like the Taco Time logo, and I, you know, just on that alone, I would support it. Like, it looks, it's very cute. It's not, like, boring or anything. Uh, yeah, I might, I might go and try Taco Time tomorrow. 
Yeah, it'll be no, like take... around ten thirty. So like, yeah, I mean, fuck it. That's early. That's that's early enough for a burrito, right? Yeah, definitely. Expect something that's a little bit closer to Taco Bell than like fast casual stuff like Chipotle or whatever. Uh, but I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Taco Time has to offer. Obviously, it's not the most like fucking amazing fast food shit that you've ever had in your life, but it's it's a good it's a good little change up there. Um, but I also just sent you the historical six logos of Taco Bell through their history, and I think the one you were talking about, you said the '94 one, where it's like kind of a magenta, yeah, uh, looking broad size on the on the broad part of the bell but like there's a golden yeah um chimer or striker in in the bell and i do think that looks a lot better than the current logo which is just way too modern it's it's like it's ugly the font the font on there the taco bell font on there is incredibly modern it's so like generic, generic boring and and corporate and just boring and yeah you need to you still haven't watched that helvetica documentary have you shit no but i bet that would like make me feel even worse now after it, looking it's at sort the taco of, bell it, it gets into that i don't know if this taco bell 2016 to now um typeface is in helvetica it, it doesn't look like it's exactly that typeface but it's the same idea and you know, there's a lot of people in that documentary who talk about those sort of, you know, Helvetica and the and the greater overarching revolution and typeface that went with Helvetica. And they think, you know, it's just all very boring and it's all so so standardized and also corporate and there's no personality in it. And it's it's too clean and too precise and, you know, it just doesn't look good. And I, I agree with them a lot. I think uh, the past two Taco Bell logos are pretty great. Um, but I'm a big fan of the 1962 logo there, where it's just these these Taco Bell letters in some very uh, comic book esque or cartoony uh, typeface that are on these. It's uh, in the serial killer font. Is that the serial killer font? Yeah, where you cut out magazine letters and <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah like. Like all the letters have different colors in their backgrounds and they're sort of, they look very cut out and uh, pasted onto something in a way that a lot of like 1960s kind of stuff does look, but I appreciate that. I used to have a shirt with that Taco Bell logo, but it got too small. So I had to get rid of it. Um, but anyway, we're, uh, we're, we're, I'm sorry. You have a last thought there. I was going to say, I'm going to tell you the lat the next Taco Bell f- like font remake after this modern one will be a remake of the 1985 one and it'll be like the ta- it'll be the Taco Bell it'll kind of be the same format like the Taco Bell letters but they'll have it in this generic font they might even reuse the current one or they'll like stylize it for whatever is hip and in the in the now and instead of it being like with the bell on top, it'll be a very, very, it'll be like half as big of a bell and it'll be in between the taco and the bell words. And it'll just be one line taco and then the actual bell and then bell. But it'll be very boring. That. And I, I don't like that. it. I'm just going to say it. The hot take, the 1992 is the best logo. I like that. It's, it's cute. 
I think either 1992, 1962 is still my favorite, but I'd put 1992 on the on the second because it's not as I think the 1994 one is a little bit it's a little bit too much. Like the the typeface is too wide. I don't really appreciate mm-hmm. that. And uh, the colors on Very the bell. 90s. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not too big on so. Very Pepsi. I go 1962, 1962, then 1992, uh, then 1972. I think that's just very simple, very clean. I like it. Um, and then 1985 because it's got some character. Then actually, I'd go 2016 because at least that one looks nice. And then 1994. That one I think is actually just ugly. I think it's just kind of ugly. I think I think there was a lot of. There were there was a lot of vision distorted in the '90s. The Pepsi logos. Pepsi is like one of the biggest examples of that. The Taco Bell logo is, you know, I a lot of people look back and they're just like, "What were we doing? What were we doing here?" You know, the early '90s were fine, but the mid to late '90s, people are just like, "What? Why were we so maximalist at this point? Like, why are yeah. we?" The Dr. Pepper and the Dr. Thunder, the Dr. fucking ball sack, whatever the fuck we were doing at that point, like that shit was all over the place. Yeah, we were just all over the place. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to hit I'm going to hit one topic because it's in the food tier. Um, got some got some reviews going on here. OK. All right. Go for, it. Go for it. So I've I've uh, I've hit my my sip criteria before i have said is two dollars or less per can and has to be you know has to be maybe sugar-free hopefully um what if i told you right now that there are uh there is a can out there that is two dollars that it's less than two dollars it it was it was either 188 or 198. I mean, I'm sure that's region dependent, but like I feel like when I first bought them that they were 188, and then when I second bought them they were 198. I'm not really sure. I could be wrong, but like I'm also kind of paranoid about it. But some spider bullshit, man. But what if I also told you that these cans were 300 milligrams of caffeine and that they were sugar free? Yeah, this is, this is some this is some uh, grocery store brand bullshit. What if I told you that? Um, what if I told you that they were at Walmart right now? Uh huh. Okay. They were at the All they right. were at the local Walmart. Yes, it is. Oh G-Fuel. no! Really? G Fuel. G Fuel has paired up with fucking like brands of the internet. It is the Isaleb energy drinks paired with Naruto, Tetris, Twitch streamers. And Spyro and Crash Bandicoot and fucking Pac-Man and Sonic. Um, so on this page that I have listed, I'm gonna. I think I've drink five, and I have not had a chance to drink anything else. Um, so first, I'm gonna say um, these can these cans have 300 milligrams of caffeine. They are sugar free. Um, the branding is very fucking sad. And stupid. They have. They also have the Dragon Ball Z fucking flavor. <laughs> they have the Dragon Ball Z flavor. I've not tried the Dragon Ball Z flavor, but I've seen it online. I've not tried the Naruto one either. Um, I'm just gonna go with the ones that I have tried. I'm gonna kind of rapid fire them. So I've tried the Tetris Blast can Rainbow Candy. Um, I've got to say, 
this is like all of these cans are very sweet and this one is probably the second sweetest um i think it's just okay uh i don't know what the rainbow candy is i thought it was kind of a cotton candy thing i thought it was kind of like a a tic-tac sort of thing uh i still don't really know i think tac thing yeah i don't i don't really know what's going on here but um the tetris blast can it's just kind of okay i think it's kind of a fruit punch that's like very strong or concentrated in some way um I don't really care for it. I I thought I would. I was hoping I would like it because it was Tetris flavored, and Tetris is one of the one of the least cringy things on this entire page. Um, but no, it's just kind of average. So so moving on. Go to the. I, I I did buy two cans of the the PewDiePie flavor because it was oh, lingonberry no. because it was lingonberry, and that is a very unique flavor that we do not have in this country at all very often it is a very scandinavian flavor because lingonberries just kind of grow in sweden and norway a whole lot and not a whole lot here so i tried it and it's very unique and it's definitely got the lingonberry flavor not that i would know my grocery store does not sell lingonberries but this is certainly like a tart sort of fruit that has a sweet kick to it because it's in the energy drink. Um, I've got to say, I would rate this about the same as the Tetris, maybe one step above, like, you know, if the Tetris is a five, then this is like a six or a 6.5 or a seven. Um, But it is definitely not above a seven. Uh, I think that this was just kind of okay. And if you can get over the shame of buying something that says PewDiePie over it, like this would be something to try once, but if you didn't buy it ever, I would understand too. Like that's that's fine. Uh, I thought it was just interesting though. I wanted to try it because it was lingonberry flavor. And next, I tried the dragon fruit can, which is the Spyro flavor, which people are online are saying to fucking Spyro the dragon's piss. And <laughs> I'm gonna say it. I agree. This thing is fucking terrible. <laughs> This thing is like the shittiest grape you have ever had in your life. It doesn't taste like anything besides Alani fucking dog shit Stardust grape. It's probably the exact same liquid. I don't even care though. It's got it's definitely got a lot of caffeine. Um this was not good and I expect a lot higher quality when I buy something with Spyro's face on it. Um <laughs> so I'm upset. Um the 4th out of 5 was the Sonic Peach Rings can. I've heard that one's good. I'm going to say this is a 9 out of 10. This shit oh, is shit. really oh. fucking good. It is peach ring candy flavor. And this is like a concentrated peach flavor that we have been looking for in almost all of the peach drinks that we've had. I see that the Naruto one is a pomelo white peach. I think that's bullshit. I don't believe it at all. I haven't tried it either, but I just don't <laughs> fucking believe that there is a fucking stupid peach flavor with Naruto's face on it for less than $2. That's stupid. I'm ignoring it. But the Sonic peach rings is actually really good. Uh, I would definitely uh, support buying this. This shit is definitely worth trying. I have had three cans and... I have not regretted once drinking this. This is delicious. And 
I think that you should definitely get it if you can get it at your local Walmart. Um, I, I, I'm going to give an honorable mention. I have not tried this, but I think that this is a good, like on the design part, <laughs> but the, uh, Miami Knights can strawberry pina colada. This would probably be pretty good. Like I haven't tried it, but I think that this would be pretty good. And I would like to try it at some point. The can design looks really nice. It's the Miami Knights kind of flavor or, or, um, the Miami Knights, like text style, you know, I would I would try this. I like this shit. I think it's funny that they overdo the Miami thing to it. But the last thing and the last thing on this uh, on this on this chart, and this one actually says 140 milligrams of caffeine. It is the Pac-Man. It is the Pac-Man drink. It is the cherry lollipop. Um, this is sitting at a strong five. Uh, I I don't know. I I like cherry. I like fruit punch. But this really didn't do a whole lot for me. I think that this is like, you know, trying to instill, instill the peach flavor, or not peach, the cherry flavor of like the game, you know, the cherry that little hops around the map that you try and go get from as a Pac-Man. But I didn't I didn't like it very much. I think it was just kind of okay. This was more like a soda than like a energy drink. Um, the flavor was like a, a seven, but the effect was like a three. So I'm just going to level this out of five. Um, so to, to to summarize, go get the Sonic drink. Go get the Sonic can. Like, that shit's definitely worth it. And if you really want to try something different, then go get the fucking stupid PewDiePie can. Like, I'm not going to judge you for it because I did it too. But otherwise, maybe the Miami Knights can will be good. And... I, honestly, I wouldn't try anything else on here. I'm not going to fight... I'm not going to buy a stupid fucking Dragon Ball can. That's not happening. I refuse. So that's, so that's what is, my reviews. What does the G and G fuel stand for? I thought it stood for Gatorade. I thought this was a fucking Gatorade thing. <laughs> and I couldn't find any proof that this was like a like a Gatorade like thing. G fuel. I always thought it stood for gamer fuel, which is why I refused to ever buy it because I was like, I'm not buying bullshit gamer shit. G Fuel is a brand of caffeinated drink mix sold by Gamma Labs in New York. I I think this is independent. I think this they're trying to rival fucking Gatorade or something. I so honestly Gamma Fuel. Yeah, I think it's just Gamma Fuel. Oh, here we go. Several former G Fuel employees pointed to the VP of Marketing Operations and Talent Management, who they said they reported to upper management for sexual harassment after making inappropriate claims about female influencer sexual appearances. Okay, well, let's 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 pause there for a second because what are you, what are you supposed to say about female influencers? Like, isn't that their whole thing? I I say absolutely nothing about them i say nothing so that i can't get put in jail what do you think about that yeah boomy i'm right (laughs) one shot yeah no i mean apparently the g in g fuel stands for ground that doesn't make any sense. Ground fuel? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> yeah, as this is from the legitimate source too. They got the golden Twitter check mark. Now that we know what that fucking means. 
<laughs> this is real. This is a real screenshot. Is that is that from from? Oh, oh maybe G the Fuel themselves. They get the they get the golden check mark. I thought that was supposed to be for like news organizations or something. I don't think it's for anything. Why yeah, is no, my fucking? They're... Why is my Twitter in Spanish? I I. <laughs> I don't even have a Twitter account. It's just automatically loading. You have a VPN on? No. Okay, I refreshed <laughs> it and it's in English now. <laughs> Makes so no sense. Weird. G Fuel, the number one energy drink of gaming, anime, and pop culture. Yeah. See, that's why you know I'm I'm 100 sure that G is for like gamer fuel or something. They they're saying it stands for ground because somebody literally put this shit on yeah. the ground. Yeah. Uh, so no, I will not be buying gamer fuel. Never in my fucking life will I be buying gamer fuel. That shit's ridiculous. Fucking corny ass shit. Bro, get the fuck out of here. It is very very silly. So I don't blame you at all. But it's just, I just don't get it. I I thought it was interesting. It was less than two dollars. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I will buy it today. Because at first, I will say at first. I've bought them in two like in two packages. The first time I bought it, it was just fucking stupid ass Spyro, Sonic, and I think Tetris. Those are the only three cans I got. And then I went back to the same Walmart neighborhood and I saw that they had the fucking PewDiePie lingonberry flavor. I'm like, fine, fuck you. This is the only time I'll get it. They had some other they had some other influencer flavors too. I'm like, fuck you, I'm not buying your stupid shit. And then I bought, you know, the the lingonberry flavor, and then I bought like more of the Sonic ones, and then I bought the Pac-Man one, and I'm like, yeah, this is fine, you know, kind of collect the the old energy drink shit. So I was like, whatever. Well, not when, to be confused bought... with Pac-Man energy, which I've had before. <laughs> long time. I remember ago. that one. Yeah, yeah. That, we had that up on the up on the wall. Um, but did you feel good about giving giving your money to PewDiePie? When you when you bought those Lingonberry G fuels, I didn't feel good about it, but I was definitely willing to try with some try something that was different flavor that I haven't had before. Like I was certainly willing to go for a Lingonberry energy drink. It's not something I've ever had before, and you know it was could have been a mix of like two different fruits that I've just never had before. But it was different. It was very tart, and that's something I don't think a lot of American fruits or general food is is tart i think people you know if it's not sweet then we're just like wow that's not good um so it was it was nice it was different i didn't feel good about it but yeah yeah sometimes that's how it goes mm-hmm. but uh i'm gonna switch gears here we're, we're about an hour through the show uh i think it's time to push it over to some music talk because we both have three releases to talk about this week and uh there's one of yours that I'm excited to hear your opinion on because it's something that I listened to a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I realized I, that a I, couple, I realized that a few hours ago, actually, I did not realize that when I picked it, yeah, <laughs> I realized no, it a I, few hours ago. I haven't, I haven't looked at, you know, your, I don't know if you've rated it on RYM yet, but I haven't looked at what you've rated it, but I feel like you're going to be, you're going to be harsher on that one than, than I was. That That's what I feel like there. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about that one next, but I'm going to start off here first. Uh, I'm going to talk about this this Covet album, because mm-hmm. uh, that was the first one I listened to today. I had 
nothing planned out for the show this week because uh, I think I got somewhat used to you know the the semi monthly drive by, and then once we cemented back again that we're doing the weekly drive, I'm like, fuck, I gotta listen to music again, fuck. Yeah. Uh, and also there was just like nothing really on my radar of like albums that I was particularly excited for this week. So I kind of had to dig in the charts a little bit and find something that came out recently that I could see myself even listening to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's how I found this Covet album. This came out on April 7th, 2023. It is currently number 254 on the year after the charts updated today. And if we have time, we can talk about the chart updates, but I don't, I don't even know if we're going to have time for that. Um, I see a primary genre here of math rock and I see secondaries of post rock and dream pop. And I think this is exactly what you would expect from those tags, which is very breezy, very jazzy math rock that sounds very professional and also very uninteresting. Now I'm not going to call this soulless because I think that's really harsh term to apply to a collection of songs and i can tell that there actually was like a lot of care that went into this uh it's just it's it's very safe it's it's about as safe as you can imagine something with the tag math rock being you know if you have something that's a little bit more uh aggressive you know on the other side i think you can point to something like the the early hella albums um hold your horses i really love that one from like 04 or whatever that's math rock but it's also kind of brutal prog so i don't know if you want to count that but also just on the very intense side of math rock you know an album that i know we both love is yank crime and you know that that is is a little you know it's noisy at times and it it gets in your face uh this is you know on that other side of math rock where it's still very technical um but there just doesn't seem to be anything that really wants to grab your attention here. Um, I appreciate this. Uh, I can, you know, I appreciate the hard work that went into it. I think there's a lot of great uh, instrumental playing on this album, especially between the guitarist who leads this project, names Yvette Young, and uh the drums here, which is split between Jessica Bordeaux on the first track and Forrest Rice on the rest of the songs. Yeah, I think there's a lot of talent there. Um, but this kind of, you know, my take on this was that it's like ADHD lo-fi beats in the sense that it's almost determined to end up as background music. Uh, even some of the like quote unquote heavier moments here aren't very heavy. It's just kind of like, oh, they found the distortion pedal here. Okay, cool. Um, it's it's almost like if you think about the the kind of post rock that people will tag as like emotionally dishonest, uh, like crescendo core kind of stuff, but without even the crescendos. It's just okay. Now we're loud, and I don't think there's really much to that. Um, Bronco was the only interesting song on here. Uh, it's the only one I wanted to play twice. I think the rhythms on that track, the way they twist, I think that's actually pretty interesting. And there's something that might be a kind of repeated effect that they added in post-production. Uh, that was an interesting choice to me. Uh, so that's that's the only song that really stood out to me. 
Um, and so I added that one to the playlist. But overall, uh, you know, this is not that engaging of a listen, but it sounds nice. I was never really bothered by it, and it's less than a half hour. So for me, this is kind of a de- definitional three out of five. I think it's a good listen. Um, if you ever really want mid-fi math rock to study to, then pick this one up and you'll be happy with it. But if you want something that you're going to want to come back to, something that has a lot of moments that you find really either uh, you know intellectually uh, engaging or emotionally engaging, this is not your album. Um, so you know, three out of five, good playing, but in one ear, out the other. That's what I got to say about Catharsis by Covet, mm-hmm. if I didn't mention the album name. It's Catharsis. So the um, so the EP that I'm going to hit is uh, the EP that you're going to ask me about that's been, that's been sitting at about 1,500 ratings, and it's just under a 3.9 right now from Maruha called Nocnorea and um you know they're from Manchester Manchester Rock possibly getting back into the scene of things um have said before this album cover this EP cover looks like Godspeed this is a fucking fraudulent album cover <laughs> fucking fraudulent I dislike this album cover they know exactly what they're doing with this that it is we need to ban like power line structures from being displayed in album covers that are primarily post-rock genre. It is, I think that would be a fair rule. Even I think it would be, I think it is a fair rule because you, you know, you are biting a previous style, a previous artistic influence that you do not have any business biting. And I, I hold true to that. Uh, that being said, you did say that you think I would judge this a little harsher than you. Uh, on first listen, I probably would have, because I did not think that it was as flushed out, especially Thunder and Blindspot. Uh, I did not think that either song were very flushed out, um, you know, for being what they were. Um, I think that they had a lot of you know, it's a really big smorgasbord of post-rock elements and, and, and punky elements and saxophony elements that did not have any place together. But on second and third listen, man, Kakistakashri goes really hard. And I think the Tinker is a really great song, too. Um, at the moment, I'm really kind of bouncing whether to give this a three or a three five. Because I think that this is a very enjoyable EP to listen to. I think if you're going, I don't think ranking this as you rank albums or rating them as you rate albums is fair. Because I don't, I think that there should be a stylistic difference between, um, you know, what you rate as an EP versus what you rate as an album. And I'll just get to the point, but like, I think that you should be a little bit more lenient with EPs because there is an expected level of artistic quality that you probably don't need to hit with EPs 
because they're just shorter little projects rather than large scaling 40 to 70 minute works you know in your case 35 to 50 minute works that you you know don't really need to invest a lot of time in to to depack to to pack up and then depack but eps you could just really make them whatever you want them to be and this one's about 22 minutes which yeah pretty close to the sweet spot i think 20 minutes is probably the sweet spot of eps maybe like 18 minutes if you want to be a little shorter but yeah i thought that this was overall I, I enjoyed a lot of the sound that was going on this. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed most of Blind Spot, despite it being pretty just disorganized and a lot of general just rock elements. But a lot of the stuff at the end with the horns really kicked in, and I I really enjoyed the the latter half of that song. I think Tinker for being a the the Tinker, sorry for being a slow song with uh, the slower saxophony elements that kicks up into the faster stuff was a, was a really good EP song. And I think uh Cacistocracy was probably as good of an EP closer as you can get for being a post Rocky stuff, but maybe it did have a little quiet of an ending, but I think a lot of the drums that went on towards the middle and uh, a lot of the saxophone plus the rock worked out and, I mean, I would like to see an album from these people. That's really what I got out of this, is that I would love to see an album. Like, that's probably going to be the work that really hits RYM really hard, is when this first album comes out, because they don't have one. And I think that, you know, if they hit on a lot of the stuff that they made from this EP, from um, from Blind Spot, from, from songs two through four, uh, Thunder does have a 4.4, which is one of the upper level songs but on uh on ROAM but I didn't really I didn't get a lot from it I thought it was a really mixed intro I think that it was a just a stylistically uh you know they didn't know what they want to do with this song there was you know the word you know there was a lyrical intro followed with uh some you know really like blast beady kind of electro stuff that really overwhelms you in the in those in that first minute and then it devolves into the screaming and then you know then you have your really quick tempo blast beat and rock stuff um then you fade into static and then like near the two and a half minute mark you have that like ballad-ish sort of lyrics with like the oohs and the ahs and you're just like what the fuck is this is this intentional i didn't really get a lot out of it you know despite the saxophone that came in at the end that really tried to tie it together as like some sort of hodgepodge, uh, you know, package. I I didn't really get a lot from it. It felt really sloppy. And you know, for an EP, yeah, whatever. You're gonna get that. Um, I'm giving this a three five. I think that this was a lot of general good sounds. It was not overbearing in a lot of very bad stylistic ways. They did a lot of experimenting, and you know, that's what EPs do. You know, they, they experiment a lot. They test a lot of sounds. A lot of it worked. Some of it didn't. And, you know, hopefully for that debut album, they realize what sounded really well. They're able to articulate what worked well and what didn't. And then they perfect on that sound. And hopefully that the first, hopefully their debut album is a four or five, because they could really do that. I think, I, th- I think that they could do that. And um, I think that that would be their goal for me. 
is to hit some level of good post rock that doesn't feign into the you know kind of feign into the weeds as some of the earlier 2023 or the late 2022 stuff did um black country new road is one that i can think of chat pile is another one. some of those sorts of acts i think that they would probably rather steer away from rather than get influence from but i think that this is a band that could hit something really good and i want to see it and i just haven't seen it yet so maybe i'll see it soon maybe i'll see it next year I'm I'm surprised. I am really surprised that you even liked it that much. Um, just because normally I feel like if if there's something that has like genre tags that kind of appeal to me, and I don't really get into it, I I tend to assume that you're going to be into it even less. Um, I'm still I I haven't given this another listen in you know however long it's been since I got to it the first time, but I'm I'm. I can still kind of hear parts of it in my head where I'm just convinced this is more bullshit windmill scene, like jazzy post-punk post-rock bullshit. Um, It's definitely windmill scene, but I don't think that there's anything on the very surface level that has to be, you know, that windmill scene has to be bad. I think a lot of the stuff that's windmill scene, I'd probably fit into, you know, 60 to 70% of it. But yeah, this is like, this is Manchester music. I'm sure that they probably play a lot at the windmill. I'm sure the windmill probably has their number, but <laughs> I, uh, I don't think that this, that they have to devolve, you know, that they have to have that tag just because they fit into their music genre Yeah, you know, I'm inventing new adverbs on the fly here. I mean, I'm sure it, it makes enough sense to me. Um, I still just remember thinking that the saxophone on this album is really fucking weak. And I, it is, I, it's really weak. <laughs> it's forced. It is forced. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, but I actually, I also kind of disagree with, with your statement on what EPs are supposed to be or, or what they come off as being, because my, my opinion on it is I think there's, there's, maybe I judge EPs more harshly because there's less room for error because it's like, okay, you're condensing this down to 20 minutes already. So you better be just giving me the good stuff. You know, if you're giving me filler on or, or like too much fat on 22 minutes, then you got a fucking problem. That just means there's too much fat in your songwriting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I'm not going to say if these guys come out with a full length sometime soon that I would be uh, less critical of it because I don't even think they could sustain what they were doing for, for 40 minutes. I don't, I don't see this, this sound being something that's interesting to me for 40 minutes. Um, but I, you know, on a level, I think that is kind of worse if, if it's not even sustainable for 22 minutes and I'm not gonna, like obviously I gave it a three out of five, so I'm not like this is bad music or this is something that nobody should listen to or whatever. Uh, I just I don't know. I didn't I didn't feel it was very compelling, and maybe again part of uh, my anti reaction to it or whatever is because people were, especially people on this site, are reacting so positively to it where. 
right now, you know, like you said, just shy of 1500 ratings. It's got about a 3.9 and uh, it's number one, number one EP for 2023 and number 52 overall. Like this is the 52nd best EP in the history of recorded music. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Like it's, this is, this is, this kind of shit to me just feels very trendy to this moment. And it's 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 a time where people are recognizing that like rock music is kind of dead and they're looking for new bands to kind of revive it but i don't know i just i'll give it another listen maybe i'll i'll change some opinions on it but to me this kind of thing just just feels so like it didn't need to happen it's it's something that it was it it, it might have been good 20 years ago but now we're just so far past the point where anything that that sounds like this could be interesting um but i have a i have a great segue from this um but you've alluded to to windmill scene and the uh the general feeling that rock has you know on a surface level is completely dead um but you know you we've we've talked a lot about these sorts of bands um Maruha, Ash Inspire, Black Country New Road. Um trying to think of the other one. Damn, I had like Black four. Mini. I had like three. Yeah, Black Mini was one of them. Black Mini was one of them. Um, do you think that this is going to be the eventual uh identification song of the twenties? Or 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 sound of the twenties, I should say, not song of the twenties, sound of the twenties. Is a, far is, as, a re, is a reprose of rock? Yeah, as far as like, if we're talking about the definitive sound as far as like rock music goes, then yeah, I could see this ending up. Well, I don't even know about that now that I think about it. I think this is not going to be the, not the decade defining sound, but at least the sort of, if, if we're talking about uh, a, a decade in the sense of like, you know how sometimes people talk about like uh, the the long twentieth century or whatever. If we're talking about like the the long twenty twenties, I could see this being like the sound of rock music in that era, mm-hmm. just because. I don't know. I mean, not a lot of not a lot. Like it, like we said, it's it's kind of a dead genre. Not a lot of interesting stuff happening. Um, nothing off the top of my head really pops up to me as like even like kind of of new without uh maybe like the palm album last year like kind of crossing over into different territory even though you know there's parts of that that i wasn't even too happy about but i don't i don't know if there's even going to be like a new trendy rock sound because maybe that's just, just all dead and i'm not mad at that like it had its time like it doesn't mean there's not going to be any great new rock releases that come out, you know, through the rest of history or, or, or you know, the next few years or whatever. The same way that there's still like great jazz releases coming out, even though that's a fucking dead genre. But yeah, it's just seeing there's something about seeing people get so excited over shit like this that that just completely rubbed me the wrong way where I I. I it's not even that I just don't get it because there's a lot of stuff that comes out recently or that has come out recently that 
I'm not super into and I don't understand the exact appeal of or whatever. And that's fine. I can just cross that off to personal taste. But when it comes to something like this, that is in every way something that should appeal to me, you know, like it, it's it's entirely up my alley on the sound, but I just don't. I just don't hear what other people are hearing in it. I don't know. Something about that does kind of get to me. Maybe it's personal insecurity and, and you know, I'm just not one of the cool kids anymore, but I, something about shit like this, getting so much attention and, and such acclaim is just like, the fuck are you people listening to, man? Like if, if this was at like a solid, like three, five or like three, six or three, four or whatever in that range, I'd be like, okay, I understand it. Like that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it's, even though I don't like it that much, it at least makes sense to fit in that range. But to see this shit at like a 3.9 where again, 52nd best EP of all time. I'm like, really, really guys. Yeah. You seeing the bedrock of musical foundation getting made where people are just not tapping into that, that bottom layer of artistical work that just exists and is out there at any moment but it's not new it's not formulated in such a way that it is appealing to the modern listener and you're just going to kind of keep seeing that but i do want to make one last uh, statement in that i think retrospectively the 2020s are going to be an era of you know, and by retrospectively, I mean like at least 20 years in the future, so 2040 and beyond. People are going to look back at the 2020s and either think one of two things. They're going to say, wow, this was such a period of musical innovation, that of stuff that was getting performed and completed because we had such a generational, uh, you know, uh, effect trying to think of the word instance you know such a generational instance that was very superlative to everyone's mind or you're going to have the 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 potential to say we we never we had a total chasm of stuff that never got made because we had such a generational um you know uh event where things just where creativity never spurned or spurred from from that thing. I actually think, you know, in 20 years that it's going to be the former that people are going to say we had the beginnings of a very different musical scene. And I do think that some of the I think that metal is going to have a very very big hand in that and some of these more darker post-rock for lack of a better word um these darker post-rock scenes have will have a very big hand in and i think that some of the metal will have a very big hand in and i do think that probably probably metal in um in the period after such events have been concluded let's say you know for example 2027 like you know in a few years i do think that metal is going to have a far bigger, you know, grasp on the mainstream than it does now because of these darker post-rock genres that are having a very big influence on the, uh, I don't know, creator scene. What do you call that sort of scene? Creator scene, 
uh, musically involved scene sort of thing. And I think that metal is going to come out of it really good. Um, but that's all I wanted to say on that. I would say I feel like on the one hand, if we're if we're looking for for metal to be a, a big, you know, m- more influential in sort of darker rock scenes, I, th- I think that mostly happened in the last decade. I think as soon as like, you know, Death Heaven got big, that that was like the okay for at least black metal to to penetrate the indie scene and i don't think death metal was too far behind there even though it's not as obvious and i don't have any you know big defining releases to point to in terms of death metal and some genre of indie rock sort of fusing together um other other thought i had two other thoughts uh one you know, again, looking at this, I hate to harp on chart positions and shit, but looking at this, you know, Nakanaria number 52 of all time. Uh, first thing that I recognize above it is lesson number one by Glenn Branca. That's number 51. That oh, blows the shit out of the water completely. Oh my gosh. Uh, first thing I recognize below it is haunting the chapel by slayer that also blows this shit out of the water completely so i don't know what's going on there um, yeah i i would agree <laughs> on both i would agree i'm surprised that you don't know the joanna newsome in the east street band dp that one's no, really I'm, good i too. haven't listened to much newsome but I'd, I'd believe that i would absolutely believe that also this dystopia ep at number 56 that's something that people have said i would like um, i'm surprised you don't like death spell omega either that shit's really good. I do good. actually. I do like Death Spell Omega, but I haven't listened to that EP yet. Um, we gotta listen to more EPs. Is all I'm getting out of this. Yeah, that's that's a true fact, dude. There's a Death Spell Death Spell Omega Pure EP. The, the one that came out right after that one, same year, 2008, Mass Grave Aesthetics. I fucking love that shit, man. That is some crazy shit. I don't know what that is on the year. Let me look at it real quick uh that's number five for 2008 okay so <laughs> that one yeah um i i love that shit. number five for 2008 number 176 overall so actually it's still below this but i i do love that shit um i just gotta listen to their back catalog first but gotta i gotta hit a gonna say. gotta hit a 68 69 70 on the eps of all time Radio department pulling our weight at 68. Yeah, you already know I love that shit. Noted yeah. 2003 work that we have talked about before. <laughs> uh, 69 is Ride uh, from their uh, their EP, the their EP just Fall. Fuck them for making just single. Na- I was gonna say the Fall and the Ride. Yeah, fuck you for just making it one name. Um, yeah, Fall by Ride. Yeah, there you go, dickheads. So that's one that people would probably like a lot. And then 70 Cocteau Twins, The Spangle Maker. That's an EP from 84, which that was really, really close to some of their other really great works. And for such reason, is rated so highly. So people would probably love that too. And now those are all below this EP. Um, it's fucking dude. No, scroll down Aruba. a little bit further. You you get to you get to 79. You get Apex Trance Like by Duster. Another great EP. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Yeah, some of these Z-Pers um, are really good. Other last Early Ray Jepsen at 83. Emotion side B. My girl. All right. I, you know, what is it? X to doubt. Um, but whatever. Uh, 
last comment I had about that is you mentioned, you know, when people look back at this in, in 2027, I just don't know if we can even have a good take trying to predict that kind of thing, because you look at, and this, you know, this is coming from when, when things moved a lot slower, uh, you think about like the, the velvet underground, you know, their debut or whatever came out in mid sixties. I don't know the exact year of the banana album and I don't, I don't care enough to look it up. Uh, but you know, that, that wasn't something that a lot of people were looking to at the time as being something that was going to be very influential or very like defining or whatever. And it ended up being that. Uh, but you also look at some, some shit like Suvlaki. Uh, people hated Suvlaki when it came out. It wasn't getting good reviews in, in 90, you know, early 90s, whatever. I'm actually going to look this one up. 93. People just weren't big on it back then. And it ended up being like incredibly influential. So with the way time and everything is moving now, I I don't know if we can make good predictions on what people are going to be thinking of what came out, you know, the late teens, early 2020s, uh, like five years from now or four years from now. I just, I don't think we can even make those kinds of predictions anymore. That's fair. Um, just to put this one to bed. I'm going to list off shit that's on the third page of the EPs of all time. <laughs> and uh, this is all below the one that I just rated a three out of five. Um, all right, here we go. Speed run. Uh, Carly Ridge Epson, Emotion Side B. Uh, Brave Little Abacus, Okumai. Uh, Black Flag, Nervous Breakdown. Sufi and Stevens, All Delighted People EP. The Cramps, Gravest Hits. Misfits, Die Die, My Darling. Uh, Justice, Pianist VR, Stereo Lab, Jenny O'Nidlarin, I don't know how to say that. Part of it. <laughs> My Bloody Valentine, Glider, uh, oh, Octo God Twins, damn. Ice Blink Luck, uh, The Beatles, Magical Mystery Tour, uh, Brave Little Abacus, Demo, question mark, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib, Thuggin, Animal Collective, Fall Be Kind, uh, Burial, R- a Rival Dealer, Pixies, Come On, Man. Pilgrim, Balance Sebastian, 369 Seconds of Light, uh, Elder, Spires Burn, Release, uh, Modest Mouse, Night on the Sun, Slow Dive, Holding Our Breath, Boredoms, Super Roots 7, uh, and those are the ones that are notable in my opinion on first glance, but yeah, let's put that yeah. one to bed. those you heard the you heard the, the headphone receipt and you were just like what the fuck what if that's someone outside what if they're talking into my door <laughs> which would be kind of scary i don't know i don't i wouldn't want that be a little weird but now that we're back i'm gonna get to next album on my list i'm gonna be quick about these is it zorn is it zorn 
No, no, no. First, first, Fuck. first. I'm talking about Megumi Accorda. Uh, Megumi Accorda. This is a this is a Filipino dream pop band. So I got to add the Philippines to my list recently, to my to my map recently. Um, I don't think I'd had anything from there um, yet. And I'd I'd like to say oh, shout okay. out to the Philippines for being the only uh, the only country I'm aware of where the the country is spelled with uh with a ph but the ethnicity is spelled with an f yeah what's up with that that? what the fuck that's that's you know i don't i don't i should be the one answering that because i have a filipino friend that's very close to me but you know i think think it's silly damn I, i grew up i grew up with a lot of filipino people um but i I, I don't understand it. You know, you yeah. guys are doing your thing. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, so Megumi Accorda, it's a Filipino dream pop band. I had never heard of them before, but they actually have a bolded EP from 2018 called Unexpectedly. And um, I'll get to that in a second, but we're, we're not, because I did listen to that as well, but that's not what we're talking about right now. The 2023 album, Silver Fairy. Came out March 17th, currently number 304 on the year. And uh, we got some primaries of Dream Pop and Shoegaze with secondaries of Jangle Pop and Slowcore. What that means to me is that I should have known I wouldn't care for it <laughs> before I listened to it. But sometimes I'm a dumb and I, I, I give in to baser instincts. I am so sick of this mix of genres. I am so sick of it that I call this kind of thing snorecore because, you know, I can get into some dream pop. I can get into some ambient pop. I I, I just listened to, uh, I've been getting back into You'll Never Get to Heaven recently. Mm-hmm. Love them. Great duo. They put out some good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, we, we know, we know that I like a good jangle. We know I don't have anything against jangle pop. You give me a good jangle, I'm there for it. And we talked last week about the kinds of shoegaze that I like, so we know I'm I'm partial to that genre as well. But there's a certain way to mix all of this stuff together that I think doesn't really create any kind of dreamy atmosphere as much as it does just make me want to go to sleep. And there's a there's a sense in which that could be a good thing, you know, on a, on certain like ambient releases. If if that's just the whole point, then okay, I'm not gonna knock them for it. But if if at the end of the day, if this is a pop release, then no, you you don't want me to fall asleep. You want me to get on board with your catchy hooks and all that kind of stuff. Um, this album was so boring to me that when it no. opens up. I, I thought it was somebody snoring until somebody in the comment box pointed out that it's actually a cat purring. And I was like, wow, you know, this it would have been so on point if it was just actually somebody snoring there. <laughs> Nothing eventful happens on this album. I, uh, I ended up adding borrowed slash burrowed to the playlist because I at least like the baseline there. Uh, but this is something where it's it's you know it's another one of those things where it's just like it's not offensively bad there's nothing where like i was like oh my god this is terrible music i need to stop listening to this but there's just nothing interesting about it there's just nothing where i'm like 
I should tell somebody to listen to this album for a reason X, Y, and Z. There was no X or Y or Z. So I'm going to just toss this one in the hall of mediocrity. I think this is a 2.5. It's, it's just, it's there. It goes in one ear, out the other. Uh, doesn't need to exist. And um, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm going to say this. I have had a very, very hard time differentiating the band You'll Never Get to Heaven with the work Get to Heaven by Everything Everything. And I fucking hate that. You need to, those two need to get together and fix this shit because they have they have fucked my head very good on this. What if they collab? If they collab, I'll be very upset. I'll be, I'll be fucking pissed. <laughs> I'll be pissed. I'll be pissed, to be honest. I, I would be very upset by that. Um, but I've I've done a very... I'm normally very, very good at this. Um, I have not put anything on the, uh, on the, on the list this week. Um, but I think, you know, to hit the last work... I would say, um, God damn! I had a fucking EP. It was that. It was that EP. I can't even remember the name right now, but I got it on my list. So, um, that EP I would have put the Tinker on, uh, Maruha Naknarea. I would have put the Tinker on the uh, the list. If you can, if you got Spotify open or up right now, I would appreciate putting that one on the list and the the next two on because I just couldn't get Spotify open right now or in the in today because i've been fucking trying to buy a stupid ass car and getting my time wasted by stupid people um i will say yeah listen to that you gotta listen to that garden song good news you'll you'll appreciate that one after this okay one second i'm gonna put it on my phone because i will be laying in bed kind of little little bit drunk and uh thinking with the garden I i need some i need some nice happy stuff the garden song what good news Fucking oh, there we go. Okay. Um, God damn it! Oh, it's that fucking album. <laughs> yeah, it's probably scary. <laughs> it's probably a joke. You fucking bastard. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm skeptical of it already. I know it's that album. It's a. That's probably good a album. fucking prank. It's a good but it's but I'm gonna go with the second. Uh, the second of three works I listen to. This is a real album, not not an EP. Uh, this is Dotheim's Guard from Norway, as all good black metal uh, is. This is a band from Norway that started making stuff in the mid-1990s. And they put out a uh, few works. And then, you know, one in 2007, one in 2015, and one in this year. And I decided to listen to it. And I decided that you know, this is this is definitely one of the middle range, you know, black metal out, you know, black metal artists. Uh, I would love to see them perform live because I would love to see what some of those performances are like. But I think I could not get over the very initial, uh, the very first song at Smelter was so heavily like, uh, you know, when you're in your car and you're, you, you know, when you're in a car. And you're uh, messing around with the stereo system. You can kind of filter it by bass and treble. You can like turn up the treble or turn up the bass. This one is like they turned up the bass 
by like two or three notches and they turned down the treble by like one or two notches on the very first like wall of sound that you're supposed to hear from like these guitars like a and you're just like this sounds like a fart this sounds like a very <laughs> fart. um so i couldn't get over that at the start so this is an hour long album by the way um uh, I thought I thought that I thought that this got a lot better though. I thought that this got better uh, around Interstellar Nexus and uh, it does not follow. Um, I think I would probably put Det Tome Cal de Mork on Morke on uh, on the playlist if you want to shove that on. But I um I thought that a lot of their longer songs did really really well, and they did a lot of different. They you know they they definitely dove into a lot of different more uh, Norwegian or Scandi uh, themes and, and styles for their, for this black metal, um, you know, was, was all over the place. I don't even think that any of these genres do it well. You know, I, I think that's kind of the Western centric style of genres that, you know, you could throw on post metal, you can throw on avant-garde metal, you could throw on progressive rock, you could throw on, progressive metal even but i don't think any of those do it well enough besides just saying that this is a you know norwegian black metal work in that it's very open and very free it's very freestyle and that freestyle jazz is very freestyle um you know they do a lot of different styles all over the place uh i think abyss perihan perihelion transit you know for being a slower style that builds up to a final work is very uh you know it's kind of stylistically a festival sort of song that could get people really pumped up from you know getting them off of the drugs that they're doing and like focusing back <laughs> on the band um which i thought was kind of funny because i could see that really um I thought Voyager was a great song for being really like zonally out of it. You know, that's a really piano heavy song. Um, that's one that's really slow and doesn't have a whole lot of guitars, but that's something to really throw into the mix that I think, uh, you know, with the vocals for being like a, you know, I think it's, it's a shorter song actually. I might've said it's longer, but that's a shorter song and it's, um, you know, it's a good like kind of mix in and then a lot of Western stuff, you know, American stuff has a lot of acoustic stuff that breaks in their uh, black metal songs. But this was really nice to see. Um, I think additionally, Requiem Eternum was probably one of the better closeouts that's really quiet and more atmospheric and chamberish that a lot of the European stuff can be. But yeah, this is a this is a solid three. I think um my only downside that I had with it was that I think the earlier main singer sounded like whatever creature was on the disturbed, uh, the sickness album. If you know what that is <laughs> like an alien looking motherfucker. And I think that was like the singer of the first three songs. And I couldn't get that out of my head, which probably kept this from being like a 3.5. So yeah, I'm sorry, Norway, but you gotta, you gotta fix this. It's that's okay. My... Nor sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say that's it. 
Oh, okay. Um, it's okay. Norway's got a good beach house song named after them, so I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm gonna continue down, continue down this path here. Uh, now I'm gonna talk about the one that you name dropped a little while ago. That uh, it's a self-titled album that thankfully does not have a self-titled song because if it did, I would not have listened to this album, and I would have been upset if I did not listen to this album because I liked it. This is a band named Zorn, and their their first album is called Zorn, Z O R N. At first, I was kind of like, "Is this is this related to?" I think John Zorn. I think that's that's the guy's name, right? That's the weird Jewish yeah. guy's guy's name. Yeah. Um, at first, I was like, "Is this like a, a side project that that he worked on?" Uh, but no, it's not. It's just some guys out of Philly. So. They've put out four EPs before this. I haven't listened to any of them, but their debut album came out March 10th of this year. It's currently number 194 on the year, and I'm looking at primary of hardcore punk and secondaries of black metal, death rock, and speed metal. So when I was getting given this one to listen, I was thinking, okay, uh, I've I've listened to some similar stuff from this year, and my expectations were not too high, um, but they definitely blew past my expectations here. This is sort of everything that I had wanted from the Dryad album that I had listened to to like start off the year. And uh, I, I think I ended up giving that one a 2.5, if not a 3, but I want to say it was a 2.5. And um, The Gauntlet, their album from earlier this year that I almost definitely gave a 2.5 and putting in the the hall of mediocrity so this is some very uh the 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 primary of of hardcore punk here definitely fits it's it's not as crusty as that dryad album was and i don't think it's i'm I'm gonna be real here i don't know exactly what what the difference between um blackened crust and something that is uh (laughs) you know, hardcore punk that's influenced by black metal. I don't know what ended up getting filtered out in that crust. Maybe it's just like kind of metalcore. I I really don't know. Um, But it's the same sort of mix of genres, but I think Zorn does it so much better. I think these guys, you know, primarily you're going to get something that's like hardcore punk sounding, but uh, the vocals are, or definitely black metal vocals. And this is something that we'd even talked about last week where we were saying that uh, we were going to hear more black metal vocals in non-explicitly black metal projects going forward. And uh, these guys definitely hit into that vein because the the instrumentals here are, even the drumming is, you know, in this weird halfway point almost between hardcore punk and speed metal that's where i feel like the the speed metal secondary there really comes in um it's not you know you think when you hear those two genres together you're gonna get thrash metal but it's not a really thrashy stuff it's it's almost like a cousin to thrash metal uh at least in the in the drumming there so that was that was pretty cool to hear like you know the do a lot of the kick snare stuff stuff but sometimes they'll speed up and i don't think i heard any blast beats but they they might have been just kind of hidden in there so i'm not not going to make any claims about that um but 
you know, instrumentally, there's some, there's some goddamn great riffs on this album, man. This is what, that's what I was so happy to hear going through this. I'm like, we found the fucking riffs, man. We finally found the fucking riffs. That's what I've been waiting for for so goddamn long. I just wanted some good riffs and, uh, Zorn really delivered it here. Um, one track that I would highlight that I actually didn't put on the playlist, but I would have if it was not an instrumental is track six, the Delco Devil Mosh. That shit goes hard, man. That's some shit that you you would want to mosh to that shit. And it just, you know, it's just it's just some heavy goddamn shit, man. It's heavy. It it's it's got a lot of energy to it. It's got a good riff. Um, one of the first things I noticed when I was listening to this album is the first song here, the spell of the fairy tree, which sounds like kind of a strange name. Um, there's a great solo, a great mini solo, I guess you'd say, uh, hidden in there somewhere. Uh, that shit really ripped. And, um, the track I ended up putting on the playlist here was, uh, it's, it's the one called, endless fantasies and that one track three here it's it's fucking built on this like what what i could only think of as like a black metal surf punk riff and i hadn't heard anything like that this year but it sounds so right the whole song just sounds so right and i can't deny that man i can't deny that you got a good catchy riff that mixes some interesting genres you got these crazy screechy black metal vocals over it that keep this sort of like speed metal rock and roll kind of tendencies uh i was just really happy with this one that that's why like my notes on this were not as good as my notes on the last couple albums because i was just into this one i listened to it multiple times i listened to it once it's about like 25 minutes long or something and i was like god damn i need to listen to that again so i listened to it again and i took a little bit of a break and then i ended up listening to it again and you know this is not the most complex album i don't think this is going to be something that uh i remember for years and years and years but you know just today i'm calling this an easy top 25 pick for the year like this is absolutely going to land in the top 25 and i could see it sneaking sneaking into Mm. the top 10 for me i could see it getting there this is definitely one to watch uh it, it deserves repeated listens and that's something that I have not been able to say about a lot of stuff I've been listening to recently. So for right now, I'm calling this a 3.5. I think it, it doesn't quite hit into that upper echelon of creativity. But this is their first album. So, you know, th- these guys are definitely going to grow as time goes on. And um, I'm really excited to hear what they what they do after this. So Zorn, Zorn, uh, March 10th, 2023. 3.5 out of 5. Listen to these guys. I'm definitely going to be giving these guys a listen because uh, like you said before, some of the sludge, some of the uh some of the speed metal, you know, stuff that gets kind of you know, spun into a spun into one genre. You know, that stuff that I could get involved into, something some stuff that I would like and uh I haven't even I haven't seen this on my radar and you know it's almost two months in from its release in early March and I'm just like why not why haven't I seen this right and um, you know this one's sitting now just under the 200 mark so you're just like how many other things have I missed you know 
how many other things are in that, you know, in that sphere of stuff that I could have seen. I think, um, I think that this is definitely one that I'm going to listen to. I like the descriptors. I like Infernal and Raw being in the top three, you know, two of the top three listen um, descriptors of the, uh, you know, of the whole album. So this is probably one, you know, this this devil-like creature holding an AK-47. <laughs> Um, that's pr- that's something that you did not talk nearly enough about. <laughs> the artwork is great. Yes, yeah, the standing, awesome. Standing on a pile of skulls with flames in on the background, and <laughs> I don't. Okay, that is, I guess, an AK-47, but there's also like a dagger stripped or or tied to the yeah. top of it that makes it, you know, kind of look almost pseudo bayonetish. I guess I don't know. I don't know a lot about guns. Don't 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 bully me, gun people. Um, but yes, this artwork is great. Yeah, that's a bayonet just strapped on. It's it's fucking awesome. I love it. And you can see on the bottom left too, like kind of where your right hand should be, I guess. Um, it's got like a a vine of a, a spiked vine going from it. So you know that's mm-hmm. another element of badassery. But yeah, this is this is one that I would definitely listen to. Just on, I mean, just on the artwork alone, this is one that sells me. It's all in this one, like you know, if typeface were a color, you know, color face. It's all in this like beigeish sort of thing with some black, you know, elements to it. This is one that I would certainly listen to at work. Just you know, it's awesome looking, and uh, you know, yeah, if it's good music, then I would listen to it. It's it's again. It's only twenty five minutes. There's ten songs here, and the the last two are the longest songs. Where the last one is approaching on four minutes, or the second to last song, "Voices from the Past," is approaching on four minutes, and the last song, "Worm," is a little bit over four minutes. The rest of it, it's it's all in this like one fifty to two thirty range. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I'm, uh, this is going to be one that I listen to, and we'll see if I. I mean, it could make my chart too if it's if it's that decent. So, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and quickly smash away my last of three. Um, I feel like I'm doing a disservice though a little bit because I'm just gonna start it off. I'm rating this a four out of five. This is this is hitting the end of year charts. This is Irish folk and and dark neo folk avant folk genre tags that are slapped on. This is a a band called Lankum. The um, the album is called False Lankum. So you know, wait a sec. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's what I thought. Like, what the fuck's going on here? The you know the, the, the like this is like the dark maga of maga song. <laughs> you know for lack gunshot. of yeah, just it's gunshots. Um, you know for lack of a for lack of a better descriptor, but these these this is a very rare instance of a band that has in the critical eye, um, you know, progressed as time has gone on. Uh, they started off with a debut album 20 years ago in 2003, and that you know hit a th- hit just under a three four with just a few ratings, and they've gained popularity from there. They hit a three five seven and then a three four three just a few years later, and then in 2019 hit a uh, a three six six bolded by the way, 
um, with just under three six hundred ratings, and uh, now in this year they're just under eleven hundred ratings so far, and they're at a three seven two. Um, but this album in twenty twenty three, False Lankum, seventy minutes is on the long side. Does definitely feel like it is on the long side, as other albums have felt in the uh, 70 to 80 minute realm typically some of those 90s rock works that drag on into those um you know into those time ranges um but this album itself is a uh, is a total hodgepodge in the greatest way i think uh you definitely have some of those darker you know darker folk mixes that i have said in the american works typically from richard dawson uh, I thought they were terrible. I thought they were a total, um, you know, miscombobulated, just, you know, mixture of whatever that had no cohesion at all that I never enjoyed that felt more innocent than it should have been. And this is the total antithesis of that idea. This is not innocent at all. Um, you have, you have very large um, song ideas mixed in with these fugue songs and these fugue songs if you see the playlist um you fugue one fugue two and fugue three at songs three six and ten that are kind of interludes for lack of a better word um but they they separate a lot of interesting ideas fugue two uh right after newcastle is a very very uh, you know it 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 breaks up a lot of the melancholy and a lot of the uh despair with something that's a little brighter that leads into Netta Perseus and, and even the New York trader as a, something that's a little more jolly. Um, you get a lot of the traditional Irish folk music um, stuff that if you saw Banshees of Sharon, you would just know how this whole album is, you know, um, but not really, but you know, you you get a lot of uh, the similar feelings, either of despair or even like a, a false sense of joy from New York Trader. But the biggest highlight on this album is uh, definitely Lord Abor and Mary Flynn. That is by far one of, you know, that is easily already the top five songs of the year for me um, for being such such a long song that is... That's got to be, I mean, one of the best folk songs in all that I've heard since 2010. And I mean, like, you know, of, of a song that was written since 2010, not, you know, just that I've heard. But that, you know, that's definitely up there with every other folk song that I've heard, folk work that I've heard. Um, Lord Abor and Mary Flynn plus, plus Newcastle. Newcastle starts off really strong. It's got a really high pitch interlude um with some strong feminine vocals for the first two minutes or so and um kind of get some typical irish uh you know ballad work through it uh with some not super high tempo stuff but um uh, it's very warming for for lack of a better word and i think that you get a lot of that throughout newcastle throughout lord abor and probably the turn and even some clear way in the morning you know clear in the way in the morning is a is a very masculine song um that one is just uh 
you know, it's like a it's like a wake up to call, wake up to work song could end up being the song I listen to for for waking up in the morning. But um, yeah, I loved a lot of the stuff that was on here. This is a really good work if you can identify with anything from a, from a really traditional folk background. Uh, I think the Irish are one of the best cultures to do this, and they kept a lot of the great traditional structures for a lot of the songs on here most notably uh, go dig my grave master crowley's uh, new york trader lord abor and probably the turn as well um which are you know at that point you're naming two-thirds to three-fourths of the whole album uh i i thought that a lot of the stuff that was done on here was done really well and i think that um I think that this is a as close as it gets this year to a quintessential listen for everyone. You know, it is a little bit longer, but for some of those, some of the works that really deliver the the longer, the the longer length is is a positive. And I know you've said that before for certain works, and uh, I think that if you really could buy into a lot of the uh, a lot of the themes on here, that you'd probably be saying it for this too. So. I would say that this is a this is a four out of five for me right now. Certainly getting into the end of your charts, and uh, I'm expecting this in the top ten, maybe not the top five, you know, depending on how much I listen to this year. But this is uh, definitely getting into the top ten, I think. Yeah, that um, I want to say that's our first uh, definitive four out of five on this year because I know I. I I played with the idea for the Tim Hacker album, um, but I don't I don't think I've given anything a four this year, and I I definitely don't think that you have. Uh, so I'll, you know, seventy minutes. It is a bit long. Seventy but minutes. The not last that long though for being a quote unquote long album, right? Yeah, and the last song is about thirteen minutes, so it's it seems like there's a lot of build up to get to there. But even the. Uh, first song is about eight and a half and then after that is seven but i'll give it a listen i'll give it a listen you're saying this is this is pretty good i'll end up checking this one out and uh the site seems to be big on it as a whole so um yeah definitely seems worth a listen then um do you think joe biden's listened to this album you know i um i don't know that joe biden's listened to this album i don't think i think he's a fucking fraud when it comes to his irish roots he is a fucking fraud. He's trying to get Ireland back into the game. You know, Ireland is one of those smart countries that sees into all the bullshit that America's doing. And I don't think they would stray from the herd, but, you know, this is as Irish as a president that we're going to get for a long time, I think. So, you know, why not trot him out there to, to reel him back in, you know? I, as at least yeah. that's what I think. Yeah, we'll see what the uh, the masterminds behind the Hibernian conspiracy are up to. There was uh, a, there was a there was a sportsman from Ireland that died. Um, it's called Gaelic football. It's like a really weird mix between like field hockey and uh, and rugby. Like, but it's the like biggest Irish game, and like American football is the biggest American game. But the uh, the like one of the one of the biggest Gaelic football people died 
I think just like a few days after Biden left and uh, someone online was claiming that it was Biden's fault. <laughs> so that was a, that was a funny thing I had seen, you know, in the days after he had visited, which I think meant really nothing at all in the end, but I, whatever. Yeah. Why not? What he, else is he doing he, these days? He literally fucking walked up to ship it up to Boston. <laughs> oh my fucking Christ. You didn't see that? Very American. No, I did not. I only know that he went there. I only know that he went there. I don't know anything that happened there. If you Google Biden shipping up to Boston, you'll you'll probably find it. Um, but before we close out here, I gotta say that's still uh, that's still my favorite my favorite new meme in, in such a such a goddamn long time is the Biden blast meme. I, I've been watching compilations of that shit uh, over the past like couple weeks or so. Some of these people are getting really creative with it. And I've seen some shit where people are like, this is the most astroturfed meme of all time because nobody likes Joe Biden. And it's like, yeah, of course nobody likes Joe Biden. But yeah. that doesn't mean the shit can't be funny anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. He is very easy to make fun of, which is why it's like... Uh... You know, and, and I don't think he has to be, like, naturally humorous to be m- easy to make fun of. Because I don't think Trump was easy to make fun of at all. But I think Biden is very easy to make fun of. And that's why it's very funny to make fun of him. Because he's such a clown. They're like inverses where, I mean, like, Trump, you couldn't really make fun of him. Because he was just such a character on his own. And he just said so much shit where it's like, I got nothing on this guy. Like, he could... Yeah. Everything he says is a joke in the first place, so I can't I can't outdo that. But yeah. Biden is he's so serious in himself, and it's like, bro, you're a fucking joke. Like, come on. absolutely. I think that's why people were were able to make so much fun of uh, George Bush, the good old HW. He was a yeah. very big, uh, you know, early internet like times. He was one of the biggest clowns. That you could make yeah. fun of. He was all over it. A lot of those flash, flash animations. He was very big, and Obama too. But like people were, you know, a little bit afraid because they were like, you know, this is kind of why am I going to make fun of Obama? <laughs> like, there's no point, right? Like they're just yeah. like, this is not, you know. He... But people did respect him too, and like no one respected HW because he was a fucking joke. And, you know, I mean, I think Biden is a little bit of a joke, too. And that's why people are afraid to not not super afraid to, uh, you know, make some funny animations of them. Those fucking stupid Biden blast videos are hilarious. They're <laughs> killing me, man. And, and like, yeah, at least with Obama, it was like, OK, he could he could string together like five consecutive coherent thoughts where I don't think any of the other three guys have, have yeah. been able to do. That. Yeah. And Trump, like. You, you know, you feel like you're punching a punching bag if you tried to make fun of Donald Trump. Like, no one cares. Like, he's yeah. just too funny on his own. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to listen to Zorn tomorrow, you know, while I am at work and trying to get some work done, reading a stupid book while I'm uh, trying to get trying to get those hours in before I go test drive my stupid car that may or may not end up being my future stupid car. Zorn is one of those albums I'm listening to. 
Yeah, and I'm going to listen to some some Lancome tomorrow. I I don't know if I can say I'm going to be listening to Lancome if I'm going to be listening to false Lancome because it's it's one of those things where you know it's like that liar paradox where you get one guy saying like oh everything I say is a lie. Well, it's like yeah, fuck, dude, this is Lancome, but it's false Lancome. Like, how do I make sense of that? Um, be careful. Definitely take <laughs> open up a fucking wormhole in my living room right now trying to figure that shit out. I'm going to say this too. But in the earlier earlier aspect, we talked about like certain uh, certain stuff we were drinking, like working it from home. I will say that there is a brand of uh, of it's the Hefeweizen, like fruity Hefeweizens. If you can get, it's a Firestone Walker Brewing Company in Paso Robles, it. California. Uh, never seen it. They make some pretty good shit, man. They must they must be using those. Those local oranges and shit because they, it's pretty good. They grow I oranges in California. No, oh, no, I'd never heard of them growing oranges in California. So it's, it's all they, they're growing too many almonds to do that. No, I'm well, like if you're being serious though, they grow a fucking whole lot of oranges in California. Like the entire cuties. Remember those fucking stupid little tangerines or how dare you call cuties stupid? That's stupid, but like. You gotta we like shove your cuties. thumb in there to open them up and stuff. We like support cuties on the weekly drive by hey cuties, hit us up weekly drive by show at gmail.com with the fucking sponsorship offer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No, they're not stupid, but like you know, you gotta shove your thumb really far in there to open up one, and then by the time you're done opening it, your hands smell like oranges, and then like yeah. you know, you got you at that point, like you gotta fucking you only get a small little orange and your hand smells like oranges. Like, yeah, you know, the, the work to what you get out of it, not very big ratio, but yeah, like they grow all of those things in California, all of them. Like, I think all of the cuties, I don't think any of them are grown in Florida or Arizona or anything like that. They're all grown in, in California. So, uh, I might be wrong. Don't fact check me because I want to be right for today. So like, you know, just don't, just don't, don't do it. So, well, no, I mean, I looked it up, and it says cuties are grown in the sunny San Joaquin Valley in California, so I guess you're right there. Okay. I get one win for the day. <laughs> <laughs> this, has been, this has been the Gunshot Weekly Drive-By for the bullet and the gun. Good night, everyone. Yeah.